Hawkins is in danger. Goodbye, Papa. You know, for the first time in my life, I think I'm thinking straight. Stranger Things 4, Chapter 1, The Hellfire Club, written and directed by the Duffer Brothers. In a flashback to 1979, Dr. Brenner is experimenting on children possessing supernatural abilities until a mysterious incident kills all the children except Eleven. In 1986, eight months after the events at Starcourt Mall, Joyce, Will, Jonathan, and Eleven have moved to California, where El struggles with the loss of her powers and is routinely bullied by other students. Joyce receives a porcelain doll in the mail, seemingly from Russia, and finds a hidden note stating that Hopper is alive. And Hawkins, Mike, and Dustin have joined their high school's Hellfire Club, a Dungeons and Dragons club led by the eccentric Eddie Munson. As a result, they miss seeing Lucas win the ba basketball team's championship game. Max, who has broken up with Lucas, struggles to grieve Billy's death. Chrissy Cunningham, a student on the cheerleading team, is haunted by visions of her family and a chiming grandfather clock. While buying drugs from Eddie, Chrissy is possessed and killed by a sentient humanoid creature from her visions. This is our first recap episode now let's continue. So now I'm going to get into some things that I liked about Chapter 1, The Hellfire Club, beginning with the D&D &D campaign and the basketball game. Like that whole montage scene, the inner cuts, the way they did that was absolutely uh, phenomenal. Um, I, I love I love that scene, um, you know, and I also loved the fact that the the Sinclair siblings, Lucas and Erica, both got their moment to shine, even if it was for a brief moment before you know everything turned to poo poo. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was great uh, the way again the way they filmed uh, that entire sequence was just awesome. So many parallels uh, between. The two of those, um, those sequences, at least the bit, being that the fact that both of the Sinclair siblings were, uh, you know, the winners of their respective games. Um, so, um, the next thing I really liked, or in terms of a sequence, was in California when after Eleven gets bullied very harshly and uh, Angela, her cronies, um, ruin Eleven's school project of the diorama of, of uh, Hopper and the cabin. Uh, 
um, whenever Will's trying to comfort Eleven, and she says, you know, friends don't lie, and then it, and then it slows down, the camera slows down, we get to slow motion, and then a little bit of uh, Running Up the Hill by Kate Bush briefly plays, and we transition from Eleven to Max in Hawkins, and uh, I, I really like, again, the way they did that sequence uh, for that reason, and including the song in there already. It's really awesome, but I really like that sequence because it's already in episode one. They're already kind of telling us there's a connection between the two of these, you know. And, and I mean, they're best friends, and they're both going through bad, well, not-so-good times in their respective places. And also, you know, Max moved to Hawkins from California, and Eleven moved from Hawkins, or sorry, Max moved from California to Hawkins, and Eleven moved from Hawkins to California. And we know Max had a lot of good times uh, growing up in California before, you know, Billy ever came along. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just uh, a good, good uh, parallel to connect the two of them for what is to come for them uh, towards the end of this season. So I really... I really enjoyed that one as well. Um, you know, this is probably my favorite first chapter thus far of Stranger Things. It has a nice flow from the beginning of the episode to the end. It has all the feels of Stranger Things is back, baby. Yeah. Um, it did a good job of setting the tone of this season and re reintroducing our main characters and introducing some of our new characters. And it was it was a very patient uh, first episode. Uh, for the season, I think probably compared to the others, um, you know, the Duffers, the Duffer brothers who wrote this episode, you know, really took their time and were thorough. And this episode did not feel uh, very rushed um, at all. Um, they get they did a good job of saying this is where we've been, you know, this is where Hawkins, our characters, have been for the past eight months in Showtime, um, you know, give or take. And here's where we're now going with this season. I thought they really, really did a good job um, with that. Um, they didn't hold anything back in the final mo moments of this episode. You know, as much as I hate that, that Chrissy, we only got her for one episode, and then she died a very horrible, tragic death. Um, I liked how they kicked in things into gear at the end of episode one. Um, I actually lo love the horror elements they introduced here. Um, you know, it, it scared me the first time I watched it, but now it's kind of, you know, I just love watching it. Um, so hopefully we'll get a little bit more of this same kind of horror uh, next season, season five. So now I'm going to be talking a little bit about some of the things that I maybe didn't enjoy so much uh, in this episode. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, for this episode, there wasn't actually much that I didn't like about it or that really bothered me in this episode. Um, the only things, two things really, that it really bothered me, only because, you know, just not very realistic, uh, was Hawkins High School having a pet rally at 7 a.m. <laughs> like, what the heck? Um, you know, when I was in high school, or just in school in general, we had pet rallies at the end of the day, like at 3, 3 p.m., and they're usually for football. I mean, I know clearly Hawkins maybe doesn't have a football team, or maybe basketball is more of their thing. Um, but yeah, that I didn't really particularly uh, care for that. Um, and also, when Eleven is 
in her letter to Mike, she's talking about Jonathan smoking the special plants and did not tell Joyce. And, and I understand coming from her, from Eleven's point of view, it's kind of funny, you know, cute that she, you know, says that. And, and just knowing what we know kind of about Eleven and, and a little bit, I guess, how she processes things. I mean, it does make sense, but, like, we know the special smelly plants that Jonathan is smoking. And if you've ever been around that or maybe you've smoked that particular plant yourself, you'll know that it has a very potent, awful smell. Terrible. And the fact that Jonathan is, in this episode, smoking that in his room, and Joyce is, like, in the next room over, like, in the living room, um, on the phone with customers, like, or just in the house in general, like, if he smokes it in the house, like, you can't tell me that Joyce Byers could not smell that, okay, and doesn't want to know what it is, which we'll get more into that, I think, in Vecna's Curse, which is the next episode, but yeah, that, that kind of, kind of bothered me, uh, as well. So now it's time for a little music. You know, this season, uh, the music was uh, hitting on all cylinders, both with the soundtrack and uh, the score, the original score written by uh, Dixon and Stein. So I'm going to go through um, the music from uh, Chapter 1, The Hellfire Club. I'm going to start with the soundtrack songs, and then uh, we'll talk... We'll give you some of the, um, we'll give you the, uh, the score. I'm not going to play clips of all of the score, uh, songs, but I will, um, play some, like, the, the ones that are new to, uh, season four. Uh, so, uh, first up, we have California Dreamin', uh, which is a song originally by the Mamas and the Papas, but in, uh, season four, we got, the 1986 version uh, performed by the Beach Boys in Eleven's uh, when she's writing her letter to Mike. All the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. I've been for a long time on a winter's day. Uh, Object of My Desire by Starpoint. This is when Steve is driving Robin to school and they're talking about uh, Vicky and uh, certain part of the female anatomy and uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. Um, the Red Army is the strongest by the Red Army Choir. This is when George. Voice opens up the package with the creepy Russian doll. Uh, running up that hill. Don't really think I need to really tell you who 
he sings that one really much about that, but as I just mentioned, uh, and one of the things I liked about this episode, this is in the scene where Max storms out of her class, or excuse me, Elle storms out of her class, uh, crying after her presentation goes bad, and Max is walking through the halls to the counselor's office. I was a teenage werewolf by the cramps. This is when the D&D club is meeting at the cafeteria when Eddie is reading the art magazine article about uh, the satanic panic. Uh, Fever, also by the cramps, is when Eddie levels with Mike and Dustin and it's telling them to go get the bow peeps on. Some, somebody to fill in for Lucas for the D&D campaign. Um, Chica Mejicanita, hopefully I'm saying that right, by May Arnett is when Joyce and Murray are talking on the phone about the Russian doll. <laughs> Uh, Play With Me by Extreme. Uh, Mike and Dustin trying to uh, recruit people um, to join uh, Hellfire. Um, Detroit Rock City by Kiss. Uh, this is the montage between basketball game and the Hellfire Club. And that's it for the soundtrack music. Now for the score, um, Hawkins National Lab. Uh, this is when the kids, the cold opening uh, scene when the kids are playing in the Rainbow Room in 1979. We get Return of Kids, 
We haven't heard that one in a while. So when Nancy and Mike are getting ready for school and Susie changes Dustin's uh, Latin grade on the computer. Uh, not kids anymore. Uh, Lucas begs Dustin and Mike to come to his game. Mr. Fibley. Uh, this is uh, during Eleven's presentation when she holds up, you know, this is Mr. Fibley. He is a squirrel. Uh, journalistic instinct. This is the montage of Jonathan and Nancy explaining their admiration of each other to Argyle and Fred. I wouldn't remember me either. This is when Eddie asked Chrissy if she remembers them from when they were young, which I thought that whole scene was really beautiful. I really like this uh, particular score. Um, and then we get a return of the sauna test. You'll remember that from, from season three, episode four, the sauna test. Um, this is when, uh, in the scene in the courtyard, when, uh, Angela and her friends are bullying Eleven, and I guess she has a moment of thinking her powers are back and completely embarrasses herself by, uh, holding up her hand and, you know, doing the thing. Um, crib. Uh, this is when Angela gets in trouble with the teacher for uh, being mean to Eleven out in the courtyard. Run is when Joyce um, discovers the note um, and the doll. Happy Screams from Season 3 is when Max watches Eddie welcome uh, Chrissy into his home at the, towards the end of the episode. Uh, when she's gone before, right before she dies. Um, and then finally, A Realm Unspoiled by Mankind. This is in the closing credits. Um, and this is, you know, after we see Vecna really for the first time in full and uh, after he's killed uh, Chrissy. And I really like that one uh, as well. So that is all your music from Chapter 1, The Hellfire Club. Now I have two little fun segments that I'm going to do here about things that, uh, you know, if you're really paying attention, you will have noticed. So first up is, they said, what? And so basically what it is, I'm going to read you a line from a character who said this in Chapter 1, Hellfire Club, and you all will collectively in your minds have to guess who said that. So I'm going to read you the line and then I'll say if you guess so and so then you're probably right. So it's it's basically easy peasy simple stuff. So quote A semester of adventuring has led to this moment and we need you end quote. So if you guessed Dustin, you're correct. You're right. Congratulations to you. Uh, this is when um, Lucas is trying to convince Mike and Dustin to skip the final D&D campaign of the semester and go watch uh, the game, and uh, the basketball game, the championship game. And on the flip side, Mac, Mike and Dustin or try, trying to convince Lucas to skip the basketball game to come play D&D. &D. And, you know, they kind of go back and forth. And so this is Dustin like, hey, you know, we got to finish. So, all right. Uh, and then our next 
uh, little segment is, uh, did you catch that? So basically, it's like little things that nooks and crannies of these episodes that maybe you didn't see at first glance or that you maybe didn't notice. And this one for episode one is not really like something that wasn't seen, but it's something I picked up on that I really wanted to talk about. So, towards the beginning of, of episode one, Angela, Eleven's bully at school, is giving a presentation on Helen Keller, who is both blind and deaf, and deaf, not deaf, deaf, and was a staunch advocate for people with disabilities. The project in this class Angela is presenting in is supposed to be about famous people who the student considers to be their heroes. Angela's choice of Helen Keller for her advocacy of people with disabilities is ironic considering Angela's treatment of Eleven, a person with disabilities. Uh, so I just, I had that out there because of that and because there's some parallels between this opening and the opening of season two when Doc, uh, when uh, Mr. Clark is talking about um, um, gosh I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on this guy's name well he's talking about um, um, Phineas oh What's his name? I can't remember right now. Sorry about that. Um, but this man who got a railroad spike like through his head and um completely um became a different person and all that and and it kinda set the tone for like what was to happen, what was to come in season two and this kinda again you know, whether or not you really want to think about this or you like this, I mean, in, in essence, Eleven is a person with disabilities, like few mental disabilities. And that's all. I'm not going to go in any further on that because I don't want to get in trouble or really offend anyone out there who may be listening who knows someone with disabilities or, or is someone with disabilities. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, ironic that Angela would choose that. And I'm sure they did that by design. So so I'm going to wrap up today's episode by handing out some Cerebro Awards. So first up, with Funniest Moment, we have Mike and Dustin's Bo Peep montage. I thought it was hilarious, especially when Mike goes to the wrestling team and one of the wrestlers is like, um, you compete with dice and Mike's, you know, nerd. Like, yeah, but this dice has 20 sides. And it's just uh, absolutely hilarious. And also because they couldn't even convince some of the nerdier um, students in, in Hawkins High School to come play D&D with them. Like, even the drama students and all that, um, you know, wouldn't wouldn't do that. Um, our, my, my music moment was the California Dreamin'. Montage um, when Eleven's reading the letter. Performance of the episode, uh, Millie Bobby Brown for sure. Um, as I go through these recaps, you'll come to learn that I I love Millie Bobby Brown as an actress, and I, and she can really do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, so 
it'll be kind of hard for me to pick other actors' performances in these episodes uh, over hers. But she did an amazing job in this episode. Uh, you know, we begin season four with Eleven in not only a, a different state and town, but in a new phase of her life, normalcy. She doesn't have her powers at the moment and is struggling with bullies at school and finding her way in life power-free. And you can just feel Eleven's turmoil in this episode through Millie's performance. Um, there were times when I wanted to reach out, you know, through my TV screen and and hug Eleven and say, you know, it's okay because, you know, you could just you could just feel what she was feeling um, in this episode um, every time Millie was on screen. Uh, scariest moment, you know, that ending was really, really scary. First time I watched it, but the scariest moment for me in this episode was when Chrissy is in the bathroom and she's having the visions already in the bathroom. It was the scariest moment for me uh, in this episode because I legit thought she was going to die in that moment. Like, I thought that's when she was going to be killed. Um, and also because I knew when I saw those lights flickering. Because, you know, it's like her mother's trying to open up that door. And she's like, Chrissy, this is your mother, you know. And and when I saw those lights flickering, I was like, that's not mommy. Because <laughs> uh, I knew it was obviously something uh, with um, the upside down. And that was that was really, really scary for me. Um, and finally, character of the episode. I could have chosen anybody for this episode. But I chose Mike because Mike seemed more in his element in this episode than in the entire season, in my opinion. It was like the old Mike was back. You know, he's found his place. He has some new friends, living life to the fullest. You know, he's, you know, really doing good things. Got D and D going. Seems really happy. Um, and also because he knows L is alive and well in California, so he's not in sort of a funk uh, to start the season like he was in season two for example um you know i enjoyed mike in this episode so much that i kind of wish he would have it was just kept him in hawkins um but i know i understand why they had him in the california plot and there were some moments where he benefited the california plot just like there were some moments in the Hawkins plot where I don't think he would have been a good fit or could have actually done anything. He just like, probably would have been there because they already had so many characters in that plot um, doing things um, <clears throat> already. Not that, you know, I'm sure they would have loved to have an extra set of hands to help with things, but uh, yeah, you get the point. Uh, plus, you know, we probably wouldn't have learned the real reason as to why he's never said I love you to Eleven's face. So, um, those are all my Cerebro Awards. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. Um, please be back with us uh, this Tuesday for my recap of Chapter 2, Vecna's Curse. And just want to say thank you guys for listening today, and over and out.